Hi, this is Mike Ross, public address announcer for your Toronto Maple Leafs, and this is the Leafs Late Night Podcast, your post-game destination. And now, your starting lineup, Roscoe, the Fanalist, Southey, Beater, and Darty Brodeur on the Leafs Late Night Podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back to Leafs Late Night. I'm your host, Roscoe, joined by Beaner tonight, who is joining us from a hotel room. Where are you? Nowhere crazy right now, just down in St. Catharines, working down here for the week. So, Oh, lovely. Well, welcome to Leafs Late Night, presented by Inside the Rink, where it's never too late for the Leafs, um, except in overtime, apparently, where it's always too late for the Leafs. I don't know what's going on, man one and five now in overtime come on it's uh, it's like, one thing to leave points on the table but now it's like that's that's a lot of points left now when it doesn't make sense like they play with so much confidence and they can do things that you know a lot of other teams can't do or don't even try to do during the course of the the you know regulation time and then in overtime it's it's like they all just completely lose their minds and forget how to play yeah, and I'd, I'd say of any team in the NHL to go against three on three, the Islanders, like pick any three players on that team and put them against any three on the Leafs and the Leafs should win. Like it just I mean, like I'm not saying like first to fourth line, but like first to first line, second to second, like all the way down. The Leafs are better if you just put a three on three situation in there. So I, I just I don't understand this. It's all in their heads now, as we saw, because Willie's been fantastic and those mistakes were inexcusable. <laughs> Those were horrible. Yeah, I've never seen somebody ice it twice on the same shift and then proceed to cough the puck up. Like like both his both his passes, he kind of handcuffed Matthews with them. They were they weren't even close to where they should have been. He was way off target with them. And then I don't know what he was doing. Like I I get it. You wanted to make sure that you could get some changes happening, but to just completely cough it up like that, worst case scenario, dump it in. Hot and ready, baby. Uh, so frustrating. So, what, what's let, the like Swedish pizza? Like, what, what what do what do they get on their pizzas in Sweden? Because that's Sandine, and then now Willy, and you got Shalgren behind the net on the tying goal. It's some sort of flatbread with some sort of white cream like cheese, a smoked and fish, meatballs? some capers, some raw onion and dill. That's what I'm picturing. Some, some meatballs made out of horse meat. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Ikea. Oh, man. Remember the Ikea monkey? Remember that whole saga? <laughs> yes. For anybody who is unfamiliar with that, there was a woman who had an Ikea. Or sorry. She went to an Ikea and she had this monkey in her car. It was in Toronto and it got out of the car and like came into the store looking for her and it was wearing like a peacoat jacket. Like, this thing was very well trained, but anyway, she got nailed because you obviously can't have one of those as a pet in Ontario. So, womp womp. Just like only in only in Toronto, like <sighs> unbelievable. Okay, so let's let's start this one at the beginning. Uh, Leafs started on time all across Twitter. Everyone's like, "Oh my God, Leafs started on time!" They came out. Uh, this is just from what I was reading because uh, I was on my way home from work as the puck dropped i came in and turned it on about i think it was 15 30 uh left in the first period and the shots were seven nothing for the leafs and i'm like damn 
all right, this is the kind of game I'm coming into. I like this. I like this. Leaf sat at seven shots for the next uh, 13 minutes. So uh, what did I miss in the first five and what the hell happened? I it, it's it's weird because we're not used to to seeing this team start like that. Like they that that's the Islanders style, right? We've talked a lot about how Lou has built or just kind of stumbled into this team where they've got a lot of veterans, they've got a lot of you know NHL players, but it's basically a team full of third liners plus Matthew Barzell <laughs> that are all making four and a half to five and a half million dollars for the next six years. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's the style they're going to have to play. That's how they're they're going to have to, you know, eke out wins and get as many points as they can to try to sneak into the playoffs. Is rely on Sorokin and play that kind of style. You're going to they're going to sit back and they're going to try to take their chances when they can get them, but they're not overly offensive. They're ridiculously boring. Like that's it's that's what it is. Yep. And uh 51 hits on the night for the Islanders and I mean, I know, like we say, you can only hit when you don't have the puck, but 51 to 21 is a pretty rough, like the Leafs got beat up tonight, man. I'm just glad Matthews was okay after that knee on knee. What, everything tonight, like you had the Matthews one, you had Hall running in a Marner, you had the Riley one, like, yeah, it was like a comedy of errors out there. Well, it seems that. No more players on the Columbus Blue Jackets can be injured, so the curse has now been passed on to the Leafs. It's just going to make its way around the league. Like, I don't know what's going on, man. We already had it in our crease. Can't do this again. There's, uh, and man, the report on TJ Brody, the, they said this timeline's looking worse than they thought. Like, that's not good. So hopefully Morgan Riley was mostly just held out on concussion protocol and isn't actually hurt too bad because that, it didn't look really like a, it just because I guess it he didn't see it coming, so he wasn't braced for it, right? Like that's how you can get the most hurt, I guess, from something like that is just running into someone when you don't know they're coming. Like it could just be whiplash and ugh. Well, you, you can even see it with the the Matthews knee on knee with Wallstrom, right? Like the very, very last second he starts to bring his yep. leg back to flex it up. And even, you know, he only was able to move it maybe a fraction of an inch or or maybe an inch max from where it initially was before the impact. But the fact that the motion was already started to go away, that would take away so much of the impact that would help prevent injury. Whereas Riley wasn't even looking. So he's, he's probably got at least half of his weight on that leg, right? As he's just, you know, coming across the ice. Here, I have some, it's dangerous. I have something from my personal life that I can relate to this. So for those that are new here, I work on movies and uh, we were shooting a lifetime thriller where there was a scene where someone gets hit by a car and we had a stunt actor in to, um, you know, literally stand in front of this car that was coming at him. And uh, they told us like the, the stunt coordinator told us like, hey, just don't be alarmed. I'm going to hit him with the car. And we're like, are you are you, you sure? He's like, no, no, no. Trust me. Like, we know what we're doing. We're like, OK. And he did exactly what Matthews did when he saw that knee coming. So this kid had like the car's coming at him. And just as it starts to slow down, because obviously they're not coming at him full speed at the last second, but just as it's about to hit him, he jumps and pulls his legs back so that they kind of go with the car. And he's able to just kind of collapse onto the front of the car. And his, and all of us thought like your knees are toast. 
And he's like, oh, I'm fine. And it's exactly what Matthews did there is that split second that he had to pull his leg back is the reason that we are not missing him right now. That, yeah, exactly. That, that anything that you can do whatsoever to lessen the impact is, is going to, the, the littlest movement will make a massive difference. And the fact that he even just got the momentum started by pulling his leg, just starting to pull it back. Basically, his, his leg was just kind of in the way there. It wasn't yeah. bracing anything or supporting anything. Um, David Alter just tweeted out that Keith says Riley's going to have to get some pictures done tomorrow on his injury. So oh, that's not good. Pictures on what? I, my guess would be knee. They, I haven't seen anything yet, but... Oh, I hope it's not something bad. Oh, jeez. Well, like I tweeted, um, the hockey gods giveth and the hockey gods taketh away. You know, we were spared Matthews, but they took Riley. And now we are down Muzzin, Brody, and Riley. So, you know, if if, if that would have been the case, I, I hate to say it, Mo, but I'll take that, that trade off. Unfortunately, like if one of the two of them, yeah, it's just... <laughs> anybody on the team to go down i would not want to be riley Ugh, the defense is so empty right now but they've been playing well in the absence of you know two of their biggest defensive defensemen right so the fact that they picked up all this depth like everyone was saying you know what what are they gonna do with all these guys well (laughs) this is exactly what they're gonna do we're gonna see mete come back i'm sure i I was just gonna say it's it as much as i don't want to see mo go out it's a good chance for Riley to get back or for Mete to get back in um, and, and show that he can put some valuable minutes up for us. Right. Completely different styles, but as long as everybody plays to their strengths and doesn't try to do something that they're not like, yes. Okay. It was great. Jordy Ben coming in and scoring his first game in that, but he, he's not that type of defenseman. No. So between Let's call it Mete, Ben, Lily, and Sandine, and Gio and Hall. Who's your first pair? I would have to say Gio and Lily. They were great in the playoffs last year. That's fair. I would, yeah, actually putting those two together makes sense. Um, but the only I, like the, the only issue with that is, what are you doing, Sandine and Hall? Maybe in a year <laughs> from now, but at the, the way Sandine's been playing, I don't know if I trust him with Hall right now. Hall's been better lately. But they've been kind of, I, I think they've been kind of watching his minutes or being careful of who who he's out there with. Or I guess you could do Gio and Lily, Ben and Hall, um, and then Mete and Sandine. Like, that's not horrible. It's not, not ideal, but it's not horrible. It's not ideal. And that kind of, I mean, sorry, I know we started on the game. We're getting off track here, but this is kind of where this is going. Um, if Sandine, or sorry, if, if Riley is down too, uh, we were already talking about Dubas making a move for a defenseman. I think like we could see him do it before the game against New Jersey at this point, if they think Riley's going to be down. I guess it all comes down to that, right? And I know the getting crazy off track, the league, pretty much anybody in the league who's potentially looking for a defenseman is kind of on watch tonight as Chikrin comes in and plays his first game in how long for the Holy, Coyotes? yeah. Forgot he was uh, debuting tonight. Yeah. Oh man, uh, there's like I've got I don't know like I, I listed them off the other night. We still haven't gotten to them, but there's a bunch of guys 
Um, do we want to touch on one of these? Like, I mean, John Klingberg's been mentioned because Anaheim is just not doing great. Matt Dumbo. Like, is there anybody that you think makes sense? Luke Shen, Orlov, Danello. As as much as I always try to to kind of take a step back and to not be a complete homer, complete fanboy, or to to try to think about it with my brain instead of my emotions, part of me would really love to see Shen come back in a, a lower role, and like he's not going to come back to be our our number one guy. That's that wouldn't be why we would get him. But part of me is like, yeah, you know, it'd, it'd be kind of nice because he's he's that type of defenseman we would need right now, but. That's with a healthy Morgan Riley. If we don't have a healthy Riley, as odd as it sounds, you almost need someone to to fill those minutes. You you need like this year's version of Geo, right? Someone who maybe is is getting to the tail end of their career. They've played a lot of minutes in the past. They wouldn't be able to do it for a full season, but you know, for twenty or thirty games, yeah, they could probably bump up into a three, four role when maybe they're more suited to a five, six. Yeah. But if you're also down geo and, or sorry, if you're down Brody and Riley, does somebody like John Klingberg, who's on a one year deal, not make a little sense? Like somebody who's really like, you're, you're trying to fill top line minutes here. And this is a guy who's on a one year contract. So by the time all this LTIRs worked out, you know, you're not stuck with something. Um, yeah, we, I guess I wouldn't mind taking a shot at Skeletor. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I remember us talking about that last year when it was coming up on deadline time. Um, I mean, it seems like everybody, like you can talk about injuries. Three quarters of the league is hurt right now. So, I mean, it's, you can almost throw that out the window. Yeah. Like basically the, the the guys I would want to stay away from right now m- money aside because no matter who they're gonna go after they're it's gonna be ridiculously challenging for Pridham and and Dubas to keep it under the cap like I'd be staying away from Carlson as much as people want to fantasize if it was somehow them making a move for that there's no way there's no way San Jose is gonna retain enough like they they want to move away from this like the whole point of the talk on around this like San Jose is trying to drum up the talk around home you know, can we get him? Because then it'll get GMs that are maybe not paying so much attention to pull the trigger on it and they can get away with retaining like 25% or 35 instead of 50. Yeah. So like he's completely out of the question. I don't mind the idea of Klingberg. I didn't really think too much of it because I, I didn't, obviously before Riley was hurt, I didn't think we would need to go out and get that, that a, a defenseman of that stature, right? Um, maybe try to get Ghost out of Arizona. Like everybody's talking about Chikrin from Arizona, but Gostaspare has had kind, like he's not the same guy he was when he broke into the league with Philly, but he's had a little bit of a resurgence. He's played a bunch of minutes. He's been putting up pretty good numbers for being on Arizona, honestly. Like if anybody on Arizona that's worth at least having in fantasy for a week, is somebody that you know is doing something right like it's not easy to even have your plus minus outweigh worth picking these guys up but he that was eventually the reason i had to drop him but when they were winning a couple games like he's if they're winning he's on the score sheet it seems 
I, I didn't, yeah, I, I didn't, I've always kind of liked Connor Murphy out of Chicago. Um, Me too. He, he that one's harder though, money wise, because they have, they have him signed till 26. But now I don't have it in front of me. I, I can't remember. I don't think it's a massive hit though, is it? It's 4.4. 4. Mm, yeah, it's big enough. And the base salary is weird. It's three, then 5.8, then 5.1, then 2.6. Yeah, that is kind of weird. They're trying to pay out more money at the beginning so that in this last year, if they have to move him, it's only 2.65. So I get it, but it's like, yeah, have it's, a cap or don't. <laughs> oh, it's it's so ridiculous. And the way the way everybody's been hurt this year, it's crazy. Yeah, I'm just looking. I mean, Scott Mayfield was on my list, and that's one that we just saw play tonight. Makes 1.45, but I mean, like now we're talking before it was, you've got Muzzin and Brody down. Now it's potentially you're down Riley. Like, I mean, fingers crossed, it's not something serious, but if it's even like a month or two, we're looking at making more than an insignificant move here for like, it's not going to be a seventh defender. And this is really going to be the first test of Dubas mid season you know, going for something that the Leafs are in need of um, instead of, uh, you know, trade deadline comes around and he gets to sit on everything. Um, what he, His name's been tossed about for a couple seasons now um, as a possible target if, if they had to shed salary. But, and I don't, I don't know... No, he's, he's got too much term left on his deal. Um, like a, a big, big splash at like a Sam Gerrard or something. That's interesting because there's been a lot of talk of like, they've got a log jam of young defensemen there between him and Byram and uh, what's his name? So. Makar. Not Makar. <laughs> don't can, they? Can... Not Makar. I thought another... you forgot who Makar was. Don't they have another like one underneath Byram and and Gerard that they like don't even have room for now. Oh, they do. Um, shit. What's his name again? Da, 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 da. But honestly, to walk my point back, actually, I'm going to correct myself on Dubas uh, making a move mid season like this. This is pretty much the exact time that he got Ilya Labushkin last year. Is it not? Mm. Or was it later? It might've been a little later. I think Boosh was just before the Heritage Classic. Yeah, you know what? We were riding Nick Ritchie out longer than this because we saw him score in December. <laughs> One of a handful of people that can say they saw that. Well, that was the thing is Southey and Steph and I went. We're like, fucking Nick Ritchie's going to score tonight. Watch, because we've been making fun of him all season, how he doesn't score, and he's going to score tonight. <sighs> okay. Like, so, someone like Dumba, I don't, I can't see... I, I can't see Minnesota moving on from him. I also don't like completely... $6 million until... No. Oh, it's actually like, he's unless... up this year. But like, it, unless he's coming back and saying, nope, I'm not, I'm not going to resign. They're going to want a, a, like a, a haul back for him because he's been there so long and he's been such an integral part of that team. He also has a modified no trade clause. Like, it'd be nice if Boston could put Mike Riley back on waivers again. Um, <laughs> to replace one Riley with another. 
That'd be funny, like, actually. Nikita Zadorov is the other one that I have open here. This year like, and next at 3.75. You also got to think of where they're coming from. Like Mayfield from the Islanders. They're not going to move on from him right now because, you know, they're looking not horrible and they have a chance to make the playoffs. And that's not what Lou does. Calgary's not going to move on from Zadorov and, unless, unless shit really starts hitting the fan there. Especially because he's like he's Sutter's type of defenseman. He's a hard hitting, like in your face type of defenseman, right? Yeah, honestly, we got to know what's going on with Riley, but I think it's going to be somebody um, more on the first, second pair and then the second, third pair. At, at least I hope. Um, okay, so we've gone on a huge tangent here. Back to the game. <laughs> so the Leafs were uh, great in the first couple minutes. Now, like I said, everything just slowed right down, which is what the Islanders are really good at. It's just not producing much and not letting you produce much. And it just died. So uh, they managed to catch up finally and rack up six or seven shots over the next 12 minutes that the Leafs couldn't get one off. Oh, man. Yeah. And like even that first... The first goal against, you can't really blame Shogren on that one too much. It was kind of a weird, weird shot through traffic. And yeah, like it, it, it sucks, but it seems like he's always letting something like that in. Like I was so close. I didn't do it, but I was so close to putting money on the Islanders this morning when I found out Shogren was starting. Yeah, it's been rough for him, man. It's like you said with... um. You know, we talk about a lot of people that are good for one thing a game, and it's like Shalgren's goals have just come against him in such bad positions. Like, you know, you can let a bad one in if, like, you had the other night where you're up 5-1 to make it 5-2, fine. But, like, this is exactly what I was talking about is, like, if that happens when you're not up 5-1, you know, you got a lot of mistakes to make up for here, and they're still beating themselves, man. Even when they won, they were beating themselves. This is what I'm saying, man. Ugh. But what about that holding the stick call and Jordy Ben right after the goal? Um, I might have been into my chicken wings when that <laughs> was going on because I watched the first period over at uh, Montana's. Nice. It was uh, it was a pretty soft call, I gotta say, um, but nothing compared to the calls that would come in the second period. Oh my lord. Okay, second period opens. Uh, Leafs got a talking to, I assume, in the dressing room about their uh, stale play in the second half of the first period. So uh, JT with Nylander and Marner managed to put one in on a power play. Love it, love it, love it. Um, Nice tip in front of the net from JT, as he is known for. And uh, honestly, just the power play, which we... I think it was probably the first two or three weeks we're like, uh-oh, is it going to be stale again? Nah, they have been clicking every night. It's been, uh, what's their power play percentage recently? Do you know? Maybe Mike has um, it here in his article. I was going to say, give me a minute, but... Uh... Second. No, that's okay. Um, so JT <laughs> scoring in his... Uh, Game number 300 with the Leafs, which is worth noting. He's gotten a lot of milestones lately. Eh? It's been the uh, the month of milestones for the captain. And 
like yet again I, I bring it up every couple episodes marty was beating his his the tavares drum all summer long um that he, he was gonna have a hell of a year and if you look at tavares's career he's basically mirrored what he did the first 300 games in on the island and the fact that he has essentially played half his career now well no he has played half his career now with the leafs He's at a point where he's going to be remembered as a Leaf now, not as an Islander. That is so fun, especially after, like, when he scores against the Islanders. I wish this was in Long Island because it's so fun hearing them boo every time he touches the puck. But like, sorry guys, it's Johnny Toronto now. Absolutely. Also notable, hell of a season. Notable on this goal, uh, Mitch Marner extending his point streak. Just matching the New Jersey Devils win streak. Hey, what do you think is going to end first? Uh, the Devils win streak. Yeah, that's fair. I, um, I called this so last interestingly, episode, the Leafs are going to end it. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting that both of these things have met at a 14-game streak uh, together. So there is a way, technically, that they could both continue on if New Jersey wins and Marner still gets a point, but... Uh, I just think that's a fun little storyline that there's the colliding 13s. Uh, anyhow, Austin Matthews um, takes the lead for the Leafs, assisted by Sandine and Lily. Nice little friggin' clapper from Matthews. Love it. Well, it was it was a nice little uh, slap pass by Lily from the point, right? And then Matthews' beautiful tip. Oh yeah, 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 sorry, I'm fucking forgot about that one. You're right. It's that okay. was that one. That's okay. <laughs> I make I make mistakes sometimes. That's why uh, we all do. Steph is under the weather. Steph has better game notes than I do. <laughs> um, so what was interesting about the second though that we got to talk about is this weird exchange of penalties. So. How did this all start? Because I kind of looked up in the middle of this going on. So Bunting and Mayfield were getting into it in the corner and then kind of jawing at each other up the ice and who knows what they were yelling at each other because we, we've kind of gotten used to Bunting being that type of player. So God only knows what he was saying on the ice. And then after the whistle, they just kind of... Bunting made sure that he was right there at Mayfield when the whistle was blown, when the play was ended, and they just started going at it, which is fine. That's that's what he does. He tries to tries to goat the other team into taking penalties, and all hell just broke loose. So <clears throat> I took a screenshot of what the original listing on NHL.com was. Um, it was actually then changed, funny enough. So the first one, let me pull it up here, was that Scott Mayfield was serving a penalty for Cal Clutterbuck. Like, this is when it, it just really confused all of Twitter. So Cal Clutterbuck, unsportsmanlike conduct served by Scott Mayfield. Michael Bunting, roughing against Cal Clutterbuck. Michael Bunting, unsportsmanlike conduct against Scott Mayfield. Cal Clutterbuck, roughing against Michael Bunting. Then they changed it to... Mayfield and Bunting unsportsmanlike against each other, and then roughing Michael Bunting and Cal Clutterbuck against each other. So 
somehow three guys go to the dressing room, two from one team, one from the other, and it results in five on five play. And this confused literally everybody watching the game. So Beaner, you have an explanation of what the hell happened here. So why don't you explain to all of us like we're five year olds? <laughs> so it, it, the funny part is, is, is both screenshots. I can actually see a justification for how it could still be five on five. Like the first one, that both penalties were assessed to Clutterbuck and both obviously two to Clutterbuck and two to Bunting. But then the one was being served by Mayfield. Well, Clutterbuck had that cut on his eye. So he went to the room right away because it had to get patched up. So that kind of would make sense. And then didn't think anything of it because you had mentioned something in the chat. So I pulled up quickly pulled up NHL.com and looked and that's what I saw. So I was like, oh, okay, whatever. That This is why. And that that wasn't a good enough answer for you. And then <laughs> they ch- they changed it, and then you shared that screenshot, and it's like, okay, yeah. So the fact that Bunting had two separate minors, but it was against two separate players, they basically just treated it as if it was two standalone incidents, right? So you look at the first one whether the first one is him and Mayfield or him and Clutterbuck. In this case, the first one should be him and Mayfield. That's an incident, you know, in, in, in and of itself. And then the one with him and Clutterbuck is completely different. Yeah, I mean, when you break it down to like two penalties and two penalties, obviously it, it shakes out that way. It just seems really weird when they don't like come out and announce all the penalties on the ice. and They just like send people off. To the dressing room you're like what what the hell just happened like why don't we get an explanation of this well and that's the other thing too i think there was only what a minute and a half minute and 20 left in the yeah. second so at that point it's like you know what i don't even want you guys in the box because you'll be jawing at each other f- through the glass just go to the dressing rooms yeah uh, man Wes mccauley interesting uh style <laughs> of refing i gotta say i'd Heck. still rather him than graham yeah, well, at least the game is safe when Wes McCauley's wrapping it. That's true. Uh, so, third period, Josh Bailey with three minutes left ties it up. This this was just like, I mean, everyone, eh, the line, if you're the goaltender, tan the goal. Uh, I... I don't get what Shalgren was doing here, man. The defense have been so good all week. And they've always played well in front of him. Like, all night everybody was on, and he just, he could have just let them play that and stayed in the net. I don't know why in the dying minutes when the Islanders are looking for a goal, he decided to play that. So, the only, like, I, I can't see a reason why he would either, if you're thinking about it as the fact that he's the goalie of record, he's the starting goalie for tonight. The game's on him. Um, but if you look at everything else, the fact that there's been so much, you had Samsonov and Shalgren for pretty much the majority of the season at this point. Sammy goes down. Shalgren comes in. They call up Petrozelli. Basically, right away, Murray comes back from injury. And even, what was it, the second practice? Maybe third after Murray was back from injury? Sam Sonoff was practicing as well. So 
even though he's on IR, you would think most of the main practice time is going to be put towards Sammy and Murray as much as they can take. Fair. And then you have Sanford and any other staff that's working with the goalies who's going to be focusing on Petro and Shalgren for when Petro was still up. He's obviously back down with Marley's now. One of Shalgren's big weak points has been handling the puck. So I, I don't know. Just don't handle the puck. As, no, I know. But like, there's a really, it, that's the thing is just, just don't go back there. It's not even a bad handling. It's like decision making at that point. Just stay in the net. Like in that situation, it, if you, if you have time after time, just not been good at that, just, you know, maybe let the team play this one out. The only thing I can think of is that they've been working on that a lot in practices like on his on his puck handling, when to do it and stuff like that. So in his head, it's like, oh, hey, we've been doing that a lot lately. I'm feeling really comfortable with it. Now's a good time. And it was not a good time. Yeah, this isn't uh, one of those animated. Have you ever watched one of those sports animes where like there can be an entire storyline around like learning one trick and then they go to the game and like everything is set up perfectly to do the one thing that they practiced. And it's like, oh, I got to do this thing. And they do it. And it's like, yeah, we won because that one thing I practiced is why practicing is good. Yeah, no, doesn't always happen that way. <laughs> but it's it, and, and it's weird. I can't for the life of me, and someone's probably going to be like, no, this person. I can't think of a Swedish goaltender who's ever been good at handling the puck. Henrik Lundqvist. No, come on now. He didn't even come out of his crease to challenge. He played so deep in his crease. Like, he was a great, phenomenal goalie. Deserves to be in the Hall of Fame right away. But he wasn't a great puck handler. Oh, okay. If you're talking like just strictly like out of the net, yeah, yeah, like puck handling that way. Yeah, no, I I can't think of one. No, Swedish. Something about the Nor- the Nordic countries, even Finnish. I can't really off the top of my head. Like maybe Saros. Are you saying Michael's Hellquist was not good at puck handling? No, Mike. I, I see similarities <laughs> all the time. Telkvist and Shalgren. I'm starting to see it more too, man. It's uh, it's getting rough. Okay, so the Islanders took a too many men on the ice penalty, um, but it wasn't enough. Leafs didn't uh, Leafs didn't get anything out of that. So Wallstrom also fighting Sandine there. So, oh right, right. This is yeah. So Matthews, this is the Matthews knee. So San, uh, Sandine jumped in and fought him, but there was also it threw me off because there were the too many men on the ice there because that was just like kind of an aside to the whole thing that was happening. Like, oh, by the way, there were also too many people on the ice because Wallstrom didn't get off the ice. It, it took me so long to figure out why there was a penalty there, like a lot longer than it should have, to be completely honest. Um, but good on Sandman. Like, I, I get it. He's not going in there against a Vander Kane or someone who fights all the time. Like, it's it's Wallstrom. But there was no hesitation whatsoever. No. And that's something that everybody's been asking for is like, if Matthews gets hit, Popcorn gloves, just it doesn't matter who it is. And it can't be the oldest dude on the team. I'm glad it wasn't Giordano again. And it wasn't Jason <laughs> Spezza. Thank God. I mean, like, it shouldn't be Sandine, but like it can be. It doesn't, it can't not be Sandine. Like, I mean, prospects shouldn't necessarily be dropping the gloves, but hey, he's a defenseman. And if he's going to jump in and defend a star, do it. Well, and at this point, I don't think the rest of the team looks at him as a prospect or or uh, like a a rookie type That's, thing, right? Like he's been there long enough now. 
how many games has he played? Like, I don't know. I would still call him a rookie. No. He was there in the bubble with them. Like he's. Oh my God. Yeah. COVID. Right. Everything's all messed up. It's been shortened seasons and he hasn't played the whole thing. Like, I don't know. It's been, been looks classic Leafs. You get to play 10 games a year for five years until we decide whether you're in the lineup or not. Yeah. And that's fine to do with someone like Justin Hall, but it shouldn't be what you're doing with someone you drafted in the first round. Nick Robertson. (laughs) Uh, By the way, his brother scored again, has 12 goals and 15 assists. And they're going to a shootout. Nice. Uh, But yeah, I mean, like, this is something that everybody's been asking for. So I'm glad that the message is getting around that, like, hey, don't let the stars get beat up on like that. Because, I mean, we saw uh, the Department of Player Safety is not always going to have your back, like what happened with McDavid. So if you want vengeance, take it in the moment. (laughs) Basically, there's two players on the team that I don't want going in there at that moment in time. Marner and Tavares. Yeah, and like I said, I don't like Geo going in there just because the idea of the oldest guy always having to jump in bothers me. But he's the one that would know know the situation best and know like it's more ingrained in him that that's what you do than some of the young kids. So it, but it's almost that's what expected. I mean is that's what I mean is that it's ingrained in him already. So it doesn't mean much if he does it. It's just like yeah, because he hasn't been here that long. It means more to me if it's like somebody that's from this system that's been here a while that's part of this like you know eating through all the shit for six years and all that so if any of them start to take that step it, it just means a little more i guess that's my point yeah um overtime we're all the way back here where we started at overtime what the hell like i don't i don't know what combination i mean i know they're down riley Lilligren wasn't bad. He didn't make the mistakes in, in OT there. I think he has probably been the most stable, most reliable defenseman on the ice since he's come back. No kidding. Like, And I'm glad with all the opportunity he's had, with everyone getting hurt, he's thriving instead of you know panicking under the pressure. Well, not only that, we're not getting a, a Robertson scenario where Keith's benching him for god knows why yeah like he's playing he's playing consistently he's he's logging big minutes and it's going to be great for his development i just like i didn't mind the setup with lily and matthews and willie but like the 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 stuff that was going on it, it started out looking great they had control and then it was just a couple icings and the brutal giveaway by Willie. And then from there, it just seemed like everything just went for a shit. Yeah. And there, there doesn't seem to be a lineup that's the right combination. Like at this point with the Leafs, anytime something happens this many times in a row, it's no longer like a, something that they can fix other than it's mental. Like, come on. A team this good doesn't go one in five in overtime. Actually, let's rewind. There's something we didn't talk about here before overtime happened. And that's the entire last minute of the game of the dead puck against the boards. And I'm sorry, the Leafs were the ones kind of in charge of that whole thing. Like they were the ones holding it there for the most part. And they're the team that absolutely sucks in overtime. So I don't know what they were doing trying to force this thing to OT. 
I wonder if part of it is you, the only way you're going to get rid of that, that elephant in the room or to get that monkey off your back is to do it, right? At, at that point, you're already there. You're basically in overtime as it is. Just get it there. Let's get it done. Let's shut everybody up and, and go for the win. I don't know. It just, it didn't seem like the best it, idea in that situation. It's it's almost like they get to three on three and they think it's a, a pickup game or a shimmy game, you know, to end a practice up or to start a morning skate or something like something silly like yeah. that, right? Like they almost get th- that too drop- like, we're, we're really good. Let's do something. Let's, let's pull off a of Michigan. Like let's stop letting Zegers take all the highlights. Let's do something fun. It's like, no, you're one in four. Let's just put it in the net because now you're one and five. That like that little drop from Marner to to nobody to the Islanders like that was what was that? Oh, brutal! And like the shot, I'm glad that they zoomed in on Nylander when the game ended on the bench there because like the shot of him sitting on the bench where he's just like, "Ooh, I did not look good on that one." Yeah, you didn't, bud. Like I'm glad they made everyone eat that in the reviews or the the replays on the jumbotron there. Did you did you catch uh, Keith's face by the way when they iced it the second time? No, I didn't. <laughs> I'll have to he, find that. Like he was livid on the bench and just shaking his head and pacing up and down the bench. Like I get it, I'd be pissed too in that situation. Oh god, yeah. All right. Speaking of being pissed, instead of questions tonight, I asked you guys for your hot takes. So let's do it for the first time ever. Hot takes only. <laughs> I just, while we were talking, downloaded a fireball burst for that. <laughs> That'd be. Um, <laughs> so first one comes from uh, blah, 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 blah. Leafs Nation, our, at our Leafs Nation. Uh, if Charlie stays in the fucking net, we're never going to OT in the first place. I mean, yeah, that's kind of the gist of the third period is had he not gone behind the net to play that and coughed it up, we wouldn't be here in the first place. Um, but yeah. I get it. He, we still blew it in overtime after that, but like, it's one of those, I don't know which comes first, which is worse. Yeah. Uh, Benito, that's not really that hot. No, Benito, the Basset hound. Uh, this is a hot one. Leafs in five, then Leafs in seven, then Leafs in four, then Leafs in seven. I mean, that's hot. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's some oven mitts needed for that one. Um, who do you think the seven, the two sevens would be against? One in the East and then the finals. Second um, the round one in the, the East, which would second round? Yeah, second round in the East. I would say that's probably Boston. Yeah. Because they'll probably end up first in the division. Leafs will be like <clears throat> second or third or something. And then it'll be Vegas in the final. Ooh, you think? Yeah, because when they do eventually make it, it's going to be something ridiculous, like either an expansion team's winning their first cup or the Leafs end their drought in 50-some-odd years or whenever they actually get there, right? Like, it's not going to be, oh, Leafs versus... Oh, I guess Detroit's in their division now. I'm so used to them being the West. Leafs versus Chicago, like, you know, two original six teams. It's not going to be two teams that have been there in their history. It's gonna There's going to be some crazy storyline that's going to make everybody cheer against the Leafs. 
That's fair. That's fair. I was going to say um, Leafs and Dallas would be a seven-game series in the finals. There's no storyline there, though. No, but <laughs> I just see it happening. Uh, I like yours better, then. So then Kate Gesman, at Cater Gesman, uh, let's throw it back to preseason game with 4D. They won after all. Opens up two forward spots, so Keith would have to play Robertson, right? <laughs> I guess, and I guess that would work with the, like he's been openly talking about wanting to get, you know, the big boys a little more rest throughout the season so they're fresher for playoffs. Well, then maybe we do like 5D and get Robertson in there. Just put Yarncroke back on the point. Play like dress him, but keep him on the point. Or actually dress Mitch Marner for an entire game on defense. <laughs> Is he Nikki Bobby would be better back there because he's got the shot, right? Oh, that's true. Actually, you need Marner going around like a little water bug because that's how he's more effective. Yeah, Robertson's good at just hanging around and like watching what's going on. He would be good at that. I know to get him the minutes he needs. Hey, there it is. You know what? Bangle was right. Nick Robertson is a defenseman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Mike the Fanatic. Thanks, Mike. Um, three on three. Could we just not? Eric Schalgren. Could we just not? Gaining center, then playing the puck back, giving the opponent a 2 one none. Could we friggin' not, Willie? The overtime was the worst hockey I've seen the Leafs play in years. Holy smokes. Yeah, I mean, it's not really a hot take, but I agree. That was awful. Yeah, I, we, we've, I'm not going to beat a dead horse. We've talked about the overtime a couple times now with Willie's, Willie's mess ups and then Marner there. Got to be better. Yeah. Clay beliefs. Uh, forget offside reviews. Offside should be abolished altogether. Gone the way of the two line pass. History. Ooh, this is a hot one. What do you think oh, of that? Geez. Getting rid of offside altogether. No, I, I've I've heard people talk about that, and then I've played in tournaments before where there's no offsides, and you always just get someone who's like you would have Phil Kessel standing beside the opposing goal the entire game. Yeah, like uh, the whole problem is. It's just divulged so far from where it started, which is Duchesne was literally halfway through the fucking zone when he got the puck. Like, mm -hmm. I think it just needs to be, unless it's the, unless the refs, I don't know. How did that one all play out? Like, did they agree on the ice? Like, yeah, we missed that, but we can't review it. There, there wasn't even... Like, I don't think there was anything at all at the time on the ice because there wasn't any any form of review whatsoever for something like that. It should be like, if it doesn't pass the eye test, we're not reviewing it. Like, we're not going to cameras. We're not going to the line. Like, if it doesn't, if you can, like, we'll watch it real time. And if it if it doesn't look like it was offside, then, like, we're not going into this. But then it's too judgment. Like, fucking, just get rid of it. I'm with you. Just get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you saying get rid of the challenge or get rid of offsides in general? I don't know. All of it. <laughs> it's all such. Oh, I, don't, I don't know. Honestly, like the which one do I like? I hate more the challenge or the actual offside. I don't know. Like you said, I don't 
play, so I don't know what it's like to play without offsides, but I don't ever turn it off in like Chell games for a reason. <laughs> you, you, unless they've completely changed 23. I haven't bought 23 at this point. I, I doubt you're going to be experiencing these goal line calls that are like that. Or uh, blue line <laughs> calls that are like that, sorry. Uh, um, here's another hot one. This is from... Uh, this wasn't even a reply to one, but it's still a hot take. Mad witticism. Johnny lost. Johnny sucks. Johnny slow. Johnny needs to be traded to Anaheim. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. That's fun. Um, uh, so what do we think here? We're coming into New Jersey next. Like, we just did this. I I don't know what is to it, think, man. Like, do they clean up mistakes or is it, you know, we've we've got New Jersey's number, we know how to do it this time, and we're not gonna make the same mistakes we did last game. Like it could go either way. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh two That's what I'm hoping. Yep. I called it last episode the Leafs are gonna break the street. Yeah, yeah. And I really hope it's uh they go to zero and Marner goes to fourteen, because that'd be sweet. <laughs> Um, do we got anything else here before we GTFO? Anything fun happen? Um, Makar set the record for fastest defenseman to 200 points. That he did. That he did. Good for him. Um, the other thing I want to touch on actually is because Saturday. Uh, oh, oh yeah, that that's fun. Uh, in case anyone missed it. Jack well, so, <laughs> before, before you say that's fun. We don't wish him any ill will. Like we're not. No, we're not no, hoping no, no. he gets injured. No, it's just, it's just a, it's an objectively funny story. Being come on, how many times have you seen someone get injured on the bench? Oh, very, very few. Jack Campbell took a puck to the face on the bench. Like, the cherry on top of being. A healthy scratch for all these games sitting on the bench like just uh they gotta give him a full cage while he's there now well and like i think and a lot of, some people are commenting on it too with takes like this is that like he stopped a puck while on the bench not even in the game and he's not <laughs> stopping them on the ice yeah he's got a perfect 1.0 while he's on the bench that's impressive <laughs> oh lordy anyway saturday um i was kind of dragging hockey night in canada a bit as was the rest of twitter because it was less than entertaining uh, and then i shared a video from the seattle kraken broadcast where they were talking about you know the matchup between seattle and la and i think the content not the context but the messaging behind me posting was lost on some of the people, not everybody. A lot of people got what I was trying to say, but a lot of people were commenting on the fact that in the video, the Seattle broadcaster is basically just explaining what LA is doing and kind of like explaining hockey to what would be a new fan base in Seattle. Uh, but they're talking about the game and, you know, look at this setup that LA has of one, three, one and how Seattle's going to break through this. And, you know, they're, they're following up on it throughout the game and creating a storyline and yada, yada. I'm not talking about, I want to see Canadian broadcasters explain to me what's going on in the game. It's the fact that they created a storyline and they followed up on it throughout the game. 
and they're talking about what their team is going to do to win instead of, oh my God, have you seen how big Tage Thompson is? <laughs> it was it, it was almost like a, a Manning cast, right? Like they just, they were actually breaking it down as if a coach or a player would. Like as if you're sitting on the on the couch with Pat Quinn and, you know, watching the game and he's breaking it down to you. Like that's, and you brought up a good point. That's what you need with new fan bases. Not that people in Seattle don't know hockey, but they, they have WHL hockey and stuff like that, but they don't, they haven't had an NHL team in a hundred years. Yep. And just shout out to uh, at Frizzbob on Twitter. This is one that I reposted. Mitch Marner's on a 13 game point streak. Longest in the league this year. Broadcast has given Cal Clutterbuck having a lot of hits more attention tonight. This league is a fucking joke. And it's not this league. It's Canadian broadcasts for some reason. And everyone's like, oh, it's the American broadcast style. They talk about, you know, the play and everything more. And, you know, Canadians are just, we're, we're educated in hockey. So, you know, we don't need to be like, get the fuck out of Get off your high horse. You don't need to be taught the game like that. Like, there's a lot of people here that don't know. And look what's happening. The hockey viewership is diminishing. So maybe we, t- you know, stop being gatekeepy and saying that we don't have to always explain what's going on because not everybody watching the game knows what's going on. And it's fun to create something that people can look for throughout the game, right? Like, it makes everybody more informed fans. And, you know, people complain that, oh, it's exactly what people are saying on Twitter. Okay, well, would you not rather the people on the broadcast are saying the same types of things that you're feeling and reading online than just being angry at everything they're saying because you don't agree with it? Like, I don't want to listen to people say that the New Jersey Devils are the real deal. Thank you, Keith Yandel, for settling that one down and saying, uh, no, they're not making the playoffs, guys. Settle down. Well, and it's not only that, like, okay, yeah, that might be what most people are saying on Twitter, but my six-year-old's not on Twitter. Exactly, if, right? If, if if he's watching the game with me, I want, like, yes, he asks me questions and I try to break down and, and give him as educational of answers as I can when we're watching the game. Because if he's asking, then he's showing a genuine interest. So I want to give him a good answer, not just, oh, just because, or, you know, y- you want to do what you can. But that being said, I don't want uh, Gord Miller, no offense to Gord, I just picked a name, um, just going on and on and on about how, like you said, Tage Thompson is so tall and so big and like, okay, we get it. He's a big player. It's gotten to the point where they're almost dumbing it down for us. And the ESPN broadcasts are so much better. The TNT broadcasts are so much better. Even like the Bill of Sports and all the local ones, like it's it's just so much different when you get to watch one of the American broadcasts because it's like I said, they create a storyline. It's this player on your team against this player on the other team instead of Tage Thompson, this guy on the other team, comparing to Mario Lemieux, a guy who also didn't play for your team ever. Like, let's let's talk about this. This is what all the Leaf fans want to see on this national broadcast. Like, what? There's a Buffalo broadcast going on right now. You know that, right? With Homer broadcasters like you don't need to talk about this well and that's the other thing why is it that like canadian teams are the ones that don't have homers i don't i don't get it like it it's because of the whole i know they sold the rights 
internationally or nationally across Canada so that, you know, everything's broadcast, but like, Hey, it's not, I can't watch the fucking leaf games here in Ottawa. So it's, you know, there's basically a local broadcast when it's TSN here and Sportsnet in Toronto or something. So it's like, why don't you just let them have Homer broadcasters? If they're going to be broadcast only to Canadian, if it's only going to be on for Canadians, like what's the difference? I understand if it's like, you know, Oilers and Flames or something, or, you know, even Ottawa and Toronto or any combination of the Canadian teams. But like, that just makes it more fun because then it's, you know, you get to find out which, uh, you know, the broadcaster that night is a bit more on one side than the other. And, you know, everybody gets to call them out for it. Or maybe the two of them are against each other in the booth. So, you know, it just, it makes it fun when you let them be fans. And instead in Canada, we're just like, nope, we have to be proper and conservative about everything we do in entertainment because that is how this country does entertainment. <laughs> but that is not entertainment. No. Like, no. I, I would rather have Bowen and people trying to chirp us saying they don't like Bowen's Homer takes. Like, as you said, it's, it's, it's engagement. It gets fans into it and it, it, it gets the interaction with other fan groups. Like I can't stand Jack Edwards. There's no no way in hell I'd be watching a Boston game and watching him do the game. And some of his takes are ridiculous. But if I was a Boston fan, I'd love it. And I get it. Right. And like so it's, many people tune, so many people watch the Leaf game and they sync it to the the radio broadcast of Joe Bowen and Jim Ralph doing the game. Yeah, a lot of people on Twitter have told me to just do that, and uh, I honestly just might. Like, it just seems like the whole entertainment package in Canada of the NHL is so commercialized and manufactured. Like, if you look at a Leaf game, if you're watching it on TV, it's you know, like we just talked about, it's a national broadcast where they talk about American teams, the players, and the other team, you know, whatever dumb storyline or something that's going on. Um, and then, um, sorry. And then you have in the arena where you've got seats that no children can afford and families can't afford to bring like, you know, multiple kids unless they're extremely wealthy, but everything in the arena is somehow geared towards like five and six year olds and families and they play like the worst top 40 music that hockey fans are not into. And it's just, it, it doesn't seem like any part of the production has any thought towards the community into it. It's just like, here's, here's what you're going to like. Here's what, here's basically the equivalent equivalent of pop music across the board for your broadcast. And it's like, can you, you have so much money and so many resources within the hockey world, like literally all of them. Can you please put some of them to use? And I'm tired of this. They do the next gen game where like once a year they bring on a couple of kids to be like, what would you like to see? And then they don't do anything. And they throw a bunch of avatars and fun nicknames and emojis on the screen. And they're like, look, we care. Yeah. And they, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they, they've, they've shown. <laughs> Not necessarily the Leafs, but the league has shown some half-ass interest in trying to to change things and trying to get more communities and more age groups involved and like you said they never follow through no they just cancel like, look at hometown hockey instead look at baseball it sounds so silly but don't they have one game a year or a weekend a year or something where they can use their nicknames or their twitter handles or something on the back of their jerseys instead of their last names oh that's fun and what was that lower tier hockey league that was doing the dumb and dumber night 
Did you see that where they're having like the the two jerseys on either team? One of them's like a blue tuxedo jersey, and the other one's an orange tuxedo jersey. I didn't see that one. No, it looks sick. They're doing it, I think, some night in December. But it's just, and I've seen like Hawaiian shirt nights and other uh, hockey leagues and stuff. Like, there's there's fun things they can do, and I get it. Like, we just have all these reverse retro things going on, and that's the NHL's version of it. But it always seems like it's the, you know the smallest deviation possible and we're all like oh my gosh they did something like we're always so i guess satisfied with the smallest progress from the nhl like anything it's because it's taken 117 years to get here (laughs) that's what i mean like these new jerseys come out and like look the coolest one the florida panthers one was the biggest step that anyone's taken in a while and they sold out and it looks like trash on the ice <clears throat> yeah, it's not as great on the eyes than the pictures. But like some, like something silly like that though. Like for for Matthews, instead of Matthews on the back of his jersey, have at AM thirty four or Poppy or whatever, right? Like, yeah, because then it, it confuses people and it almost like kind of challenges the the people watching. Be like, oh, these are their nicknames, and then it kind of like forces you to learn their numbers too, because you're like, wait, okay, thirty four is Matthews, Matthews is Poppy, got it. Like you, you get to be a part of the circle. When there'd be so many more, more fun things, right? Like when Janssen was on the team a couple of years ago, like to see him skate out and he'd have mango on the back of his Jersey. Like, Oh yeah. And just right? or, the or, rat for bunting or Goss, Goss bear. When, Ghost. when he was in Philly, someone had a Jersey made up literally with two emojis on the back of the ghost emoji and a bear emoji. Oh my god, that's amazing! Right, like something like that would be just absolutely hilarious. Ghost, ghost bear—that's so fun, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like just something. It. It, it would be. It's so silly, and it and as you said, it's something so small. But kids would love it. Fans would love it. People on social media would love it. Like you see someone from every team tweet out at some point during a game day the lineups, and they have all the players as emojis. Have oh, Engvall skate out there with a giraffe emoji on his back instead of Engvall? Like, have Arbor Jack Eye with just like a 40 character Wi Fi password on his jersey? No, no, just with the little Wi Fi, like the, the logo, oh. right? The, <laughs> the lines. Yeah, that'd be fun too. But see, like, it's so easy to do things. And like in baseball, how they have walk up songs and stuff. Like, you know, it's, it's things like that. I think the other thing that baseball does well is the spring training. Like the fact that they don't play their preseason. I mean, a lot of that has to do with the weather. I guess they're forced that way. But, you know, if you could bring more of the preseason to smaller towns like they tried to do where they had the Leafs and Sens play in Belleville, like why play any of the preseason games in big arenas if you're going to fucking extend it to like seven, eight games anyway? Like just do a tour of small towns. Well, the NHL used to do that. Like if I remember correctly, the Red Wings used to do their preseason in Brantford. That's sick. Right? Like you'd have Gordy Howe, Red Kelly, Terry Sawchuck, all them playing in, in the, the old Civic Center in Brantford. Like I grew up in Brantford, stuff like that's really cool, right? And each team kind of had their certain area where they would play. Yeah, I think the Leafs did one in Coburg not too long ago. I want to say like five, six years ago. Um, so, you know, it's it's out there. It's just slow. And like we said last time, I mean, international hockey's nowhere at the same time. So it's just, 
fucking can we please get batman out and get somebody in who knows how to market this game because that's the thing that's been lacking is like no one knows how to sell hockey he has been so bad at expanding the sport he's been so for the owners just making sure they don't lose money year over year and like great he's like the equivalent of having a you know conservative fiscally conservative uh leader for a while it's like you know we're not we're not spending too much everything's going pretty well there's some some decisions not everyone's on board with but money's great and it's like okay but are you saying batman stephen harper am i maybe a little (laughs) some shady backroom deals but you know look at this the money's okay yeah, I mean, like, that wasn't meant to be, like, a, a slight <laughs> to either political side. It was just meant to be, like, you know, the money's great, but can you please, you know, move forward a little bit? Like, I think we need we need a progressive in charge of the NHL for, for a term or two. <laughs> Times need to change, and with everything going on in, in the world and in the sports world, especially the hockey world right now, there's plenty of women out there that could do a hell of a better job than Batman is. No kidding. I also saw a lot of people um, on Twitter shouting out Cassie Campbell Pascal on the uh, panel tonight. We did a really good job. Uh, I think a lot of people are um, just getting used to seeing her on TV. A lot of people were not familiar. You know, women's hockey has not had the spotlight it should have. So people are kind of learning after her career who she is, which is unfortunate, but it's the reality we live in of women's sports right now unfortunately so yeah same as same as wickenheiser right like yeah she's good on her she's big into her career right now um in the medical field so i don't know how how interested she would be to get into a bigger role like with hockey canada or even she's had a couple different promotions within the leafs organization but whether or not she wants to take that any further who knows because she's a doctor um but someone yeah. like her or like Cassie Campbell anybody there's so many women who and we, we've touched on this many many times as well so I feel like a broken record but they've had to try so much harder to keep playing the game they love at a higher level than any of the men have ever had to because they didn't have a place to play yeah Basically, once they're well, of high school age, that's that's it. They can play in college, they can play in university, but they have to keep continuing to take courses, or else they can't play. Right? Like it, it's better now. They've got the they've got different leagues, and they're they're working. Hopefully, at some point, there can be a unified league that the NHL actually stands behind. Batman. Yeah, again, right? And it, yeah, shout out Toronto Six, who have been uh, a good growing project over the last couple of years. Uh, oh, we have a. A hot take that I missed. This is on our Discord. It's from Cali Cartel. <laughs> uh, we talked about this too. Dubas is going to make a blockbuster trade. So I guess let's quickly, before we sign off here, touch on the other side of this. We've talked about people coming in, but we haven't talked about what would have to go out for that to happen. So, you know, we don't just we don't just send money one way and get a player back. So what would you be okay with losing right now within the system to bring in a defender to save the current situation. It's such a, I don't want to say loaded, but it's such an odd question because we don't like, who are we bringing in? All right. If we're bringing in a, if the ask is like 
two firsts, right? If it's something in that range, a first and a second, like if it's a high end person, like what, what are you willing to move on from here? Um, let's say it's Jacob Chikrin. Chikrin at, at this point, I'd want some sort of clause in there that if he only plays a handful of games, we're getting like a first or a second back. Like he, (sighs) as great of a defenseman as he is, and he's still young and he hasn't shown, like he hasn't unlocked all of his potential at this point. He's only played a handful of games in the last two, three hundred day or days, right? Like, I know, but someone will, someone will do it without the clause. That's the thing. I think somebody's just going to go swing for the fences on him. Oh, and and probably, but the asking price at this point I think is way too high, especially for someone who's only just tonight played his first game back. Like I think when I looked, he had played twenty four minutes, so it's not like they eased him into it; they they threw him in. Yeah, but like I, I realistically, as long as you're getting a, a reasonable return, I don't want to move on from Nyes right now. I don't want to move him, but with his usage, Nikki Bobby. Yeah, see, that's that's going to be the ask, right? Like, he's been scratched, so they're going to go, okay, if you're not using him, can we have him? Like, I feel like that's going to be the first question. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, right after Matt Nyes, which has been – it almost – like gives Leaf fans some hope that everybody's been asking for Matthew Nyes and we've had to keep saying no because like nobody's really seen him play yet but it's like if everybody wants him then it's a good sign well it's not only that like as silly as it sounds Nyes the chances of Nyes helping us right now this year or next year are still fairly slim Mm -hmm. not that he couldn't but this is the wheelhouse for Nicky Bobby. He's still young enough. Like he's what, only 21 years old. Yeah. Like it's, it's not like he's a lost prospect. Teams are still going to be interested in him, and he still has a chance to, to flourish, but not with how he's being used. I have no idea why they're not sending him down. Okay. I get it. He gets to practice with a big team. The money's better, blah, blah, blah. Everybody says coming back from an injury, rehabbing, whatever you want to call it nothing can can replace game action yeah i don't get it and if so unless if you're gonna not... take somebody out and put them in you gotta move on because it's like you're saying with nyes like the the people that are down the pipe you know nyes and niemela and all these other young guys they're another couple years ahead right like they're they're a couple years down the road where we're at with robertson is like we need something you know now till four years from now and unless you're going to really turn him into something this year, he's not going to be useful for you for the next three years. So it's like, it's kind of at that decision point. And I don't know why they're making this decision, but it seems like they're, they're wanting to move on from him. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Basically at this point, I would have to say, I'm not moving nice. I'm not moving Pexa. And I'm not moving probably um ty void aside from that like aside from those three as as far as i'm concerned any of my prospects are available 
as long as it's a, a reasonable return. Like I'm not talking about a Luke Shen trade here. I'm talking about a Samuel Gerard or, you know, something of that ilk, like a, a, a legitimate blockbuster trade. Okay. So a Sam Gerard is a better one, I guess, to compare to instead of Chikrin. So say you're going for a Luke Shen, then what do you try to move? Carfoot, send him out to Vancouver where he's from. Um, if, if the Canucks would be up for something like that, like definitely, um, the Leafs have a ton, the Leafs have a ton of, of Mark. Well, Shen's only like 700,000. 850. Yeah. Yeah. So that I don't think like that, as far as we're concerned, that would be a win for us. Um, but there's so many players down on the Marlies right now that are playing great. And I know everybody always thinks their prospects are better than everybody else's. But there's a reason why the Leafs cannot put anybody on waivers without them getting claimed. Yeah. Because they have an ability to recognize talent as much as Canadian mainstream sports media mocks them for it because they're not big and truculent and whatever other descriptive word Brian Burke used to use. Like, there's so many players down there teams would be interested in. And if you're going after someone like a Shen it'd probably be enough to do it. Like you could maybe move, not saying I want to, but you could maybe move Joey Anderson for Shen or Steve's or right. Like it it doesn't have to be your best prospect. That's true. Anderson or Steve's kind of makes sense. And uh, Luke Shen just makes sense money wise because you are wanting Brody and Riley to come back. Like I know we've been talking about making a big move here. But that's kind of to fill the muzzin hole. But I mean, as they've been playing right now, the muzzin hole is getting smaller. So I think if you, know you can patch this up a bit and uh, and hold over until you get Brody and Riley back, I think they're going to be okay. Let's go blockbuster, big time okay. blockbuster. Who is Nikki it? Bobby? So Nikki Bobby. Mac Hollowell and Ronnie Hervenen. Okay. For Bo Horvat and Luke Shen. Oh shit. I guess throw I guess you'd have to throw Angval or Kerfoot in there or move them to someone else to help clear cap space, but Yeah, I mean you might be able to send like I said, Kerfoot's from out there in BC, so maybe you send Kerfoot back with the prospects to get Horvat and Shen. Cause I mean, look, they don't, it, when the, but the way that the Canucks are playing, they don't need Luke Shen. Um, no, they don't. And they need somebody that's producing points for a, you know, middle contract like Kerfoot is. So I think it kind of makes sense. They can't afford Horvat. And you get, you get the prospect in there with Hervinen. But then what do you do with Horvat after? Worry about that later. As silly as it sounds, everybody's right. You, you get everybody saying every year, oh, this is a year. If they don't do something, everybody's gone to blow the team up. Figure Just it out it. later. Just do it. Look, we're, we're years past that one trade deadline and uh, both Nick Foligno and Taylor Hall are still on the fucking Boston Bruins somehow. So it worked out yep. for them. <laughs> they ended up with both. 
That is my least favorite of the last few trade deadlines for like, which one are we going to get? It's a bad one. And then he got good again (laughs) after. That's a, that's a trade that, uh, that Marty's been pimping is Horvat to the Leafs. I don't dislike it at all. I think it's, uh, I mean, look, extra firepower is never a bad thing on this team. And I know I've said that's kind of redundant, but at this point, look, just these two one games are making me annoyed. The Leafs are top 10 in the league for fewest goals against right now. They just got to score. Mm-hmm. As as much as Anson Carter and the mainstream media want to tell you that their defense is terrible and they're having an issue keeping the puck out of the back of the net. They're really it's not. It's not the defense. It's not the defense that's been put that's been doing us in in the playoffs. It's the secondary scoring. Yeah. Oh man. Okay, we out of here. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks so much. We'll be back after the uh, Jersey game. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast. Available after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more. Boy's got a Snorlax goalie shirt on. You kidding me? Link me that.